Good morning. And welcome. Welcome to those online. We are online? Yes, we are. Well, a great big welcome if you're in your own home or somewhere else. And uh, lovely having you with us. I'm sorry we can't see you, but uh, thank you for coming, those who I can see. And if you don't know me, I'm Eleanor, member of the congregation here. And I'm leading this morning. Peter is preaching, and we have a, a lovely team supporting us all. This is the day that the Lord has made. Even if it's cold, let's rejoice. Let's rejoice. I had a friend who lived somewhere in the Middle East for a long time with her army husband, and um, she said, oh, she longed to get into a bed and snuggle down into a warm duvet, but it was always too hot. So let's praise the Lord for cold weather. We'll begin with a hymn, which is a prayer. It's an old-fashioned one, which begins the same as a modern one. So it's, it's Jesus stand among us. I'm just going to read the first verse. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, Jesus stand among us in thy risen power. Let this time of worship be a hallowed hour. Breathe thy Holy Spirit into every heart. Bid the fears and sorrows from each soul depart. It's a wonderful, quiet prayer. Let's stand and sing and pray as we begin our service. Thank you. Hmm? Yes, play the tune through in case people aren't sure. Yeah, thanks. Please be seated. So let's say together the opening sentences. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. 
our Lord Jesus Christ <clears throat> said, the first commandment is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. <clears throat> the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. So, let's confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Um, I found a, a slightly different confession and I've asked Ian to put it on the screen so that we have time to read it before we actually say it. So in the silence, just read it through. So let's say this together. Gracious God, we come to you in humility to confess our sins. We know that you are the rock, yet we lean on other foundations. We know that you are sovereign, but we seek security in keeping control ourselves. We know that you give comfort but we keep trying to find comfort elsewhere. We know that you satisfy, but we look around for more. We know that you set us free, but we hang on to familiar habits and patterns of behavior. We know that you call us to rest, but we keep struggling and striving. By grace, forgive us. In mercy, meet us. By your Holy Spirit, equip us to walk in the newness of life with Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Father God, you promised that as far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. For this we praise you. As we have prayed together, grant us the power of your Holy Spirit that we may live as you would want. Amen. Now at this point, uh, we often read a psalm, so I thought what we would do is sing the old hundredth. Psalm 100, it's 
All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. So shall we stand and sing, All people that on earth do dwell. Um, I have a confession to make. Um, I forgot the notices. When I was uh, 100 years ago or so in the Methodist church for a short time, notices were always in the middle anyway. So if Peter comes with the notices um, now, and then we'll just have a moment of prayer to pray over them afterwards. Thank you, Peter. Sorry, everybody. I was wondering how I was going to mention this to Eleanor, but she remembered. <laughs> uh, just a couple of things, and then Mark has got a notice as well. Um, uh, you will have received my letter by email this week. Um, uh, and there, if you didn't, uh, there are paper copies available on the table just as you go out. 
uh, if you didn't receive it, and as I say, if you'd like to come and talk to me about it, that's absolutely fine. That's no problem at all. Um, just to update you a little bit on the children's work here at church, just to keep you in the loop. Um, on Wednesday night at PCC, uh, PCC approved Rachel Potts' appointment as, as interim children's worker here at Christ Church. Uh, Rachel is employed to work part-time, 16 hours a week, and uh, she's involved with um, different aspects of children's work, school assemblies, um, Sunday provision here, and helping at Sunbeam. So uh, she's, she's part-time, but she's doing a great job. Um, also, uh, just again for your information, we're planning to present Jeanette's thank you gift to her in person here on uh, Sunday the 12th of February. So uh, just to keep an eye out for that, Sunday the 12th of February. Uh, but do keep praying for the children's work and ministry and outreach uh, in your prayers at this time of change. And lastly for me, uh, next week, 10 o'clock, um, the Reverend Joe Farmworth is our preacher. Uh, you've probably never heard of Joe. Joe is the Associate Archdeacon for Salop, and she's also a vicar in Telford. So she's preaching next week. Good morning, everybody. Um, on the 18th of February, we're holding a men's breakfast here in church in the foyer, starting at 8.30. Um, I'd really encourage all of us, if we can, to try and reach out to people that don't come to church and come along. It's a great opportunity to have a, a, a cooked breakfast, cooked free. There's no, there's no cost for it. Um, you can have a good chat and a conversation. We've also got Steve Jones from Street Pastors is going to be giving a short testimony about his, his journey of faith, and he will be talking a little bit about the street passes as well. So that's 8.30 on the 18th of February. Please put it in your diaries. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you ask us to do as a community and as individuals. Thank you for the people, the individuals who were mentioned in the last couple of minutes. Thank you for their willingness to do these things for you. If there's any way in which we can help, Father, prompt us, we pray. Grant that this coming week we will know what you're asking us to do as a member of this Christian community here in Baston Hill. We know that you've been in the preparation for all the things that got mentioned. We thank you. We hand them to you and ask for your blessing on them. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> now, we're going to have the reading. Right, Peter. Are you okay to do the reading? Thank you. And then we will um, hear God's message to us through Peter. So let's just pray again. Father, thank you. Again, I thank you for how your Holy Spirit leads us through preparation time. And I ask especially now that, Lord, you will create our hearts to be totally receptive to what you, our Father God, our Saviour, you want to tell us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
So the reading is taken from Matthew chapter 4, <clears throat> and I'm going to read, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to read from verse 12 to 25. Matthew chapter 4, 12 to 25. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived <coughs> in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. The land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness among the people. News of him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill and with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <coughs> I don't know if you've ever had that experience as Mark approaches me. I think it's probably the camera. Um, I don't know if you've ever had that experience of, um, of turning on the TV and you've missed the start of a film. Is that the ten minutes in? And you miss that crucial beginning of the film. This, you know, the bit where the characters are introduced, a bit where the plot is introduced, or maybe the tensions between the characters is highlighted. And you, if you miss those first few moments, it can be very frustrating, can't it? Because you haven't quite got hold of the story. Then again, these days, if you've got uh, wonderful things like iPlayer or Netflix, you know, you can rewind, can't you? But it's not such a thing. But you know what I mean. Well, as as Matthew begins his account of Jesus' ministry, adult ministry, he does something like that. He sets the scene for what is to come. So firstly, uh, if you've got a Bible there, you'll notice that in chapter 3, Matthew records how Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. And then at the end of chapter 3, it records how Jesus... Uh, or beginning of chapter 4, how Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. And then uh, in the rest of chapter 4, there are three short episodes that give us a feel for who Jesus is. Now, obviously, Matthew wants us to read his whole gospel so that we get a feel for, you know, completely uh, of of this, who Jesus is. But we're going to just look at these three little episodes here in chapter 4, towards the end of chapter 4. And these three episodes tell us three things about Jesus. 
It tells us that Jesus is the light who shines in the darkness. It tells us that Jesus is the founder of a radical church. And it tells us that Jesus is the one who brings healing. So firstly, we see, if you've got a Bible again, or or maybe Ian can put it on the screen, verses 12 to 17 tell us that Jesus is the light. He's the light that shines in the darkness. I won't read all the verses again, but those middle verses um, where it says in verse 15, Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Matthew, the gospel writer, he knows his Old Testament. He loves the Old Testament. And so when he picks up uh, this, this move of Jesus from, um, to Capernaum, to the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, his, his, his Jewish ears prick up, ah, that's, that's a prophecy. There's a prophecy that's uh, mentioned in Isaiah chapter 9. And Isaiah chapter 9 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You'll probably recognize that reading from Advent Christmas readings. Isaiah chapter 9. So Jesus' coming is to fulfill the promise of the one who will bring light to the nations who will enlighten those who are living in darkness, the one who will bring life to those in the shadow of death. But notice how that light and life is to come. Matthew records, From that time Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So the light of life comes as people repent. As they turn away from rebellion against God. It comes as they embrace the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus' message is no different to that of John the Baptist. Remember in another uh, John, John language, his sermon last week was talking about how John the Baptist called people to repent in readiness for the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. Now notice the only difference in what Jesus says is that Jesus says this kingdom has now come near. The kingdom is upon them. Now is the moment that John is preparing, was preparing the people for. Now is the moment. It's no longer the herald. It is the person himself. It is the Messiah himself who is now saying the time has come. Now is the time. God himself says this is the time. The Lamb of God himself has come. And in fact, the the way that that sentence is arranged in the Greek, you can rearrange it. It can be translated accurately as, from that time Jesus himself began to proclaim. So it's the Messiah who's proclaiming it. Not, not, a, not a herald, not, a, not an, an ambassador, not a, uh, somebody else who, who is preparing the people. This is the Messiah himself. This is God's anointed king saying, this is the time. And yet, strangely, this is the king who is also himself preparing people for his coming. And so this is a sign of graciousness. This is a great graciousness of God. 
is that he doesn't just send an ambassador to announce the message. No, he comes himself to speak to his people. The one himself, the chosen one, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the Christ, his, is here to deliver that personal message himself. And it's a warning. It's a warning. This isn't a comfortable, easy gospel. This isn't an invitation that can be ignored if we want to. This is not open to interpretation. It is very clear. Repent. Get ready. Turn away from your sin. The kingdom is on its way. The kingdom is now. The kingdom has come. If you're not ready, you're going to miss out on the kingdom. And you'll be under the judgment of God if you don't enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is the light. Matthew says, he is the light who has come into the world to shine in the darkness. Secondly, he founds a radical church. Verses 18 through to 21 describe this. He's not only the light, he, he brings people into relationship. He comes to establish a church. God knows us. He knows we need connection. He knows we, we don't work well on our own. He, he knows that we are built to be in relationship. So therefore, he knows it's important for us to be in a fellowship of believers, not to be on our own. And so Jesus begins his ministry by calling people out and calling them together. Come follow me. And so he says to Peter and his brother Andrew, come follow me. He says to two brothers, he says to James and his brother John, he says, come, follow me. He calls them to be with him, to be his disciples, to be his followers, to be those that he can teach. He can teach them, this is the kingdom, this is what I mean by the kingdom, these are the values of the kingdom, this is the, the priorities of the kingdom, this is the lifestyle of the kingdom. He, he calls them to follow him, to learn how to live like Christ. And so Jesus' ministry begins with the calling of these first disciples to be with him, to let others know about him, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and bringing them into the church, teaching them everything that he's taught them. What was the job they were doing when Jesus called them? Just checking you're awake. What was the job they were doing? Fishing. Fishermen. They were fishermen. These were fish. These were fish. These were hard-working fishermen. And Jesus says, "Leave your nets behind. Leave your nets and come and follow me, and I'll show you how to catch people." Now, if these if these people had been builders, the metaphor Jesus would have used would have been different. He would have said, "Come and build the church." Or if they'd been farmers, he would have used the metaphor of come and sow the seed for the kingdom. But they're fishermen, so he says, look, use your nets and come and catch people. Now, I, mean, I, don't, think get, I don't think we get hung up about this metaphor. Don't get hung up on this, this catching people thing. It's not about, we're not forcing people to come into the kingdom. Of course we're not. We're not making people become disciples. Of course we're not. It's an, an invitation to come follow Jesus. It's, it's bringing light to those who are in darkness. But notice, nevertheless, when Jesus calls them, he says to them, this is a moment for you to reevaluate your priorities. 
This is a, a moment for you to reevaluate your, your plans, your pursuits, even your family ties, Jesus says. This is a moment for you to really think through what I'm asking you to do. This is radical stuff. The, the people who are called to follow Jesus are called to reassess the way they live and the way they look at their lives, so the way they are in the world. It's different priorities. This is kingdom priorities against the world's priorities. We're to think the way Jesus does. We're to act the way Jesus does. We're to do what God wants us to do and apply that thinking in all aspects of our life. This is radical discipleship. It's a radical departure from the way of of the world. And of course, the call comes not just to those four fishermen, it comes to those who, anyone who would come after Christ, that call is upon you and me if we want to follow Christ. Jesus says, Take up your cross and follow me. It's radical, it's cross shaped, it's not easy. This is a church that Jesus calls into being of radical believers. The church of Jesus Christ isn't meant to be a safe place for the like-minded. The church is a place, a purpose-built place for people who are willing to follow Jesus at all costs. Maybe the cost of family, family connections. Maybe the cost of livelihoods. Maybe even at the cost of their lives. This is radical stuff. So Jesus brings light in the darkness. He he brings at the start of a radical church. And thirdly and lastly, he brings healing. Verses 23 to 25. If you see, if you read that passage, those few verses, 23 to 25, you'll see that the ministry of Jesus brings healing. One of the effects of Jesus' Coming into the world is healing. And again, Matthew will record this on many occasions in his gospel, that Jesus brings healing to a variety of illnesses. But here are just the headlines. In verse 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness among the people. So Matthew spells it out. He makes it very clear for us that Jesus is the one who has come, the Messiah. And as he comes, he brings an easing of pain in this world. He can't remove pain from the world. He can't take away the illness of everyone. That has to wait until the end of all things. When, the, when he comes again. But fundamentally, this is connected, this is the coming of the Messiah, is connected to the bringing of, the renewing of creation. And so as Jesus preaches the good news, he, as he preaches the kingdom, inevitably people are healed. I mean, in a sense, there'd be something wrong, wouldn't it? If, if the Messiah came and there was no change, there would be, that, was, that, was, that would be wrong if there was no change at the physical level. But his coming brings salvation to the world at every level. Those who live in the shadow of death need to see that the shadow has been lightened at least a little bit by the presence of Jesus amongst them. And so we see Jesus cures 
every disease and sickness among the people that he comes into contact with. Casting out of demons, those who are afflicted by seizures, the paralyzed, those who are suffering from pain and chronic pain. These are signs of the fallen world, and Jesus is healing that by his presence among his people. Again, we need to understand that not everyone was healed. As I say, these are just the headlines. In other places, as you read the Gospels, you'll see that there's so many come to Jesus. He, 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 he goes to the next town because he wants to preach the Gospel in the next town. That's his priority, is to preach the coming, the coming of the kingdom of God. But as he preaches, yes, there is healing. Physical, spiritual renewal comes. By the way, if you think this is just... Uh, I'm not sure if this is just a headline. Well, look a little bit further on in Matthew chapter 9. Again, if you've got a Bible, um, it's chapter 9, verse 35. So a few chapters on, we've gone past the Sermon on the Mount and so on and so on and so on. And then verse, chapter 9, verse 35, and I'll read to verse 38. Just listen to, for the resonances. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest fields. Interesting, isn't it? You've almost got exactly the same wording as chapter chapter 4, here in chapter 9. And so what's happening is Matthew, you see, is flagging up, oh, this is the start of what Jesus is doing, and this is what Jesus is still doing. Healing the people, bringing the kingdom, proclaiming the good news. The light has come. But you notice there's a little addition that Matthew puts in in chapter 9 by saying the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Jesus knew that 12 disciples would never be enough to satisfy the demand for light in this world. And so he tells them to pray that God will send out workers into his harvest field. To pray for those who will share the gospel. For those who need to hear it. And so these threads are drawn together. Jesus comes to lighten the nations. He comes to form a church. And he sends that church out into the world to share the good news with those who need to hear it. And Jesus still offers healing to people, doesn't he? Of course he does. He still calls people to repent and come into his kingdom. And yet now he does that through you and me. And in case you haven't noticed, the fields are still white unto harvest. There are hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people around us who don't yet acknowledge God or have yet come into his kingdom. There are thousands around. Just step outside your door and you enter that world of people who need to hear the good news of Jesus. And so I trust your praying. I trust your praying. As Jesus commanded his disciples to pray, that God would send his laborers into the kingdom, into this part of the kingdom, 
around us, in Basin Hill or wherever you are. And as you pray, maybe you are your own, the answer to your own prayers because we are all sent. We are all sent ones. We are all sent by God to live our lives for him wherever we live or work or socialize. One of the mottos of a church that I've kept, I haven't moved, I haven't changed it from Tim's time, is to live God's adventure. I think that's absolutely right. We are to call to live, we are called to live God's adventure. And so let, let me, as I finish, consider with you three ways that we might go and live God's adventure this week. Jesus came to bring light to those who walk in darkness. And so that is all those who live without Christ. And so that means many of your friends, many of your family or neighbours, those who maybe you work with or meet at the supermarket or meet at the book club or wherever it is. These people are living in darkness. They need to hear the good news of the kingdom. They need to see it lived out in front of them so that they find their way into God's plan of forgiveness and peace in their lives and a new start. Maybe God is calling you, calling me to share the light of Jesus this week. That's the first way. Secondly, Jesus came to found a radical church, not a safe club to belong to. Jesus came to call us to radical obedience, to to give up our reliance on worldly security, to abandon worldly ways of thinking, secular value systems. He called us, he calls us to follow him even at the cost of our lives. To put him first before career, family, possessions, everything. So what might God be calling you to do this week that shows you belong to the church of God? And thirdly, Jesus came to bring the possibility of healing and renewal to people. We don't like to think about this in the West, do we, so much? That spiritual forces are at work in people's lives. We tend to shy away from miraculous healing. But perhaps we should be expecting that God will bring healing in someone's life. At a spiritual level, yes, and also at a a physical level as well. So maybe God is calling you this week to pray for someone and pray that God will heal them in body, mind and spirit. But what I want to do now as I come to a close is just give you some quiet to think and to pray. And have a think about where you will be this coming week. Just picture your coming week, where you're going to be. And just I'll leave some quiet to think that through. And then I'll pray. Father God, as we consider the week ahead of us, each one of us will be in different places, doing different things. And yet you call us, Lord, to be a light in the darkness as we shine for you. Enable us, equip us, Lord, to shine for you in those places. 
to speak up for you, speak out for you, to draw others closer to you, to enable them to know your love and peace and forgiveness in their lives. This we pray in Jesus' name. Let's take that challenge and live with it this week. We're going to affirm our faith in our mighty God. And um, I found one which came from South Africa. So would you like to stand? And we'll say together, we believe in one God who created all the world who will unite all things in Christ and who wants all people to live together in one family. We believe in God the Son, who became human, died and rose in triumph to reconcile all the world to God, to break down every separating barrier of race, culture or class, and to unite all people in one body. We believe in God, the Spirit, the pledge of God's coming reign, who gives the church power to proclaim the good news to all the world, to love and serve all people, to strive for justice and peace, to warn that God judges both the individual and the nations, and to summon all the world to accept God's reign here and now. Amen. Would you like to be seated? And Ivan will be leading our intercessions this morning. I shall uh, mention several topics and then pause for you to pray in your own way. And after each topic, I'll say, let us pray. And then pause for you to pray. And after that, at the end of that uh, time, I shall say, Lord, hear our prayer. And I invite you to repeat, Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for Ukraine, for Ukrainian Christians, and for those who are doing their best to bring about a satisfactory end to the conflict. Let us pray.
Lord, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer. We pray for Christians all around the world who are facing persecution on a daily basis. Let us pray. hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, his ministers and advisers, that they will make wise decisions and work for peace, justice and stability. Let us pray. hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer. Finally, we pray for our vicar, Peter, and all those involved in running our church. Let us pray. Shall we stand for the peace? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We meet in the name of Christ and share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. So as we share the peace, we remember those of us who want to um, stay isolated a little bit and respect each other.
introduce <coughs> Eucharistic Prayer F. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. You are worthy of our thanks and praise, Lord God of truth. For by the breath of your mouth you have spoken your word, and all things have come into being. You fashioned us in your image and placed us in the garden of your delight. Though we chose the path of rebellion, you would not abandon your own. Again and again, you drew us into your covenant of grace. You gave your people the law and taught us by your prophets to look for your reign of justice, mercy and peace. As we watch for the signs of your kingdom here on earth, we echo the song of the angels in heaven, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord God, you are the most holy one, enthroned in splendour and light. Yet in the coming of your Son, Jesus Christ, you reveal the power of your love, made perfect in our human weakness. Amen. Lord, we believe. Embracing our humanity, Jesus showed us the way of salvation. Loving us to the end, he gave himself to death for us, dying for his own. He set us free from the bonds of sin, that we might rise and reign with him in glory. Amen. Lord, we believe. On the night he gave up himself for us all, he took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. Lord, we believe. In the same way after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Amen. Lord, we believe. Therefore, we, we proclaim the death that he suffered on the cross. We celebrate his resurrection, his bursting from the tomb. We rejoice that he raised your right hand on high, and we long for his coming in glory. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, as we recall the one perfect sacrifice of our redemption. Father, by your Holy Spirit, let these gifts of your creation be to us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Form us into the likeness of Christ, and make us a perfect offering in your sight. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Look with favour on your people, and in your mercy hear the cry of our hearts. Bless the earth, heal the sick, let the oppressed go free, and fill our church with power from on high. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit.
gather your people from the, from the ends of the earth to feast with all your saints at the table in your kingdom, where the new creation is brought to perfection in Jesus Christ our Lord, by whom and with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory be yours, almighty Father, for ever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one Lord, because we all share in one Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Most merciful Lord, your love compels us to come in. Our hands were unclean, our hearts were unprepared. We were not fit even to eat the crumbs from under your table. But you, Lord, are the God of our salvation, and share your bread with sinners. So cleanse and feed us with the precious body and blood of your Son, that he may live in us and we in him, and that we, with the whole company of Christ, may sit and eat in your kingdom. Our normal custom continues, and we will take the bread from the table in the middle and the wine from either side, and there is non-alcoholic wine available as well, and gluten-free bread.
Body of Christ, keep you in eternal life. Um. The blood of Christ, keep you in eternal life. Let's pray for those who can't be with us here in church. Father, we look to all those who are unable to be with us in person here in church for whatever reason, through illness or suffering in any way, or maybe being away from home. We pray, Lord, that you would be with them, comfort them, comfort them and bring them your love. Be the light that shines in the darkness. We pray in Jesus' name. So we pray this prayer together following communion. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Our final hymn is, O breath of life, come sweeping through us. Revive thy church with life and power. It's another prayer. Let's sing it as if we're asking God for these things. So, O breath of life, come sweeping through us. Thank you. Thank you. 
some words to encourage us as we go. They're written in 1555. O oh God, you are without me to preserve. You are over me to shelter. You are beneath me to support. You are before me to direct. You are behind me to bring back. And you are around me to fortify. So may God, the living and eternal one who loves us with an everlasting love, be with us in our comings and goings. May he bless us, preserve us, and keep us in his faithful, unending presence as we walk our daily walk with its routines, its appointments, and its surprises. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of God.